Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now, race fans, for the most famous words in motorsports, the star of Universal Pictures movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, Kevin James. I just got three things to say God bless our troops. God bless America, and gentlemen, start your engine! All right, another episode of the XP Podcast ready to go. Tyler had Dalton Mullinax with you as always. We have made it through the regular season at 26 races down for the NASCAR Cup Series. Ten more to go to decide the champion after a very eventful Saturday night at Daytona. There's a lot of things to get to from this race, but I feel like we should start off with this topic because two weeks ago, Ryan Blaney was just another driver, runs competitively, good for one win a year, you know, never really thought of as a championship threat. Now he's got three wins. He's won back-to-back races. He's going to the playoffs as the number two seed, and suddenly I'm sitting here thinking, could Ryan Blaney actually win this championship? I mean, why not? I I mean, look, we saw it last year with what Chase Elliott did in the playoffs. He got hot at the right time, um, and it propelled him to a a championship. And and who's to say it can't be the same for Blaney? We know that he's got the ability to win at all-style tracks. Um, You know, you look at this first round, look at the – you know, and obviously I I think we can both agree that he's going to, barring something really stupid, get out of the first round. Um, you know, and then prepared, out there last year, yeah, yeah, he was a big shock going out, but I, I think this year, I think he's just you know, another year under his belt. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, now two wins in a row, he's and he's he's second in playoff points going into going into playoffs. I, two weeks ago, we've never thought that. Well, and, and you know, he's had a really consistent season, of course, he just only had the one win until got a second one in Michigan, fought over the third one at Daytona, but he's just been so quietly consistent this year that I think that's what surprised so many people was how well he actually did in the points, and for as bad of a year as Ford is having, I mean, he's really kind of been carrying the banner for them for the most part. Yeah, I mean, he's been number one Blue Oval for a large chunk of the year now and going into the, going into the playoffs, he's that guy again. Yeah. And I mean, he's definitely in the conversation as one of the best super speedway racers in the cup series today. This is now his third super speedway win third straight season with a super speedway win. And now he's got wins at both Daytona and Talladega. We've seen him lead a lot of laps in the Daytona 500. Like he just kind of has a knack for this style of racing and played perfectly into his hands at the uh, end of the race on Saturday night. Yep. So, going into Saturday night, there was a lot of unknowns because, of course, we were going to have a different rules package. They slowed the cars down a little bit, knocking the horsepower down to 450. They took the wicker off the spoiler. The intention was to knock about seven to ten horsepowers out, seven to ten horsepower out of the cars, and to keep them from lifting off. Because, of course, we saw Joe Logano's wild ride at Talladega back in the spring. And going into a race like this. 
with no practice, no qualifying, not knowing what to expect. There was rumors out there. Uh, we might be tandem drafting. We might be doing this. We might, we might be doing that. I was excited but worried that we weren't going to see a good product. And what we saw might be one of the best Daytona races we've had in quite some time from a competitive standpoint. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, because that's the thing is like leading up to the day, obviously following along when reporters would ask the drivers, you know, what do you expect tonight? You know, what do you think? And, and the, it was just a big question mark from everyone. I mean, look, there were, there were thoughts, like you said, that the, the tandem would be potentially the way to go. And, and at times, I mean, look, you know, you were able to shove a guy out there for a little bit, but that was definitely not the predominant style of racing. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a great race. I mean, they, they were bunched up, um, you know, and, and you were able to make moves and, and I still feel, I mean, everybody, you know, the, one of the things they kept talking about with the, was the runs weren't going to be as aggressive. I, yeah. I felt like they were, I mean, if you got a good enough shove from someone, you were going to be hard to block. And, yeah. uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a great race. And I know you, at the end of the race, obviously when, when Harvick, the way he got hit, you know, if that's, you know, two, three months ago, he may be upside down on his deck lid. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, kudos to NASCAR for making the changes. I, I thought, you know, and, you know, the big thing was everybody was talking about, well, they're going to be slower. They're going to be slower. You couldn't tell. No. And it's so funny to me how uh, revision, how we can be so revisionist with history sometimes because everybody talks about how great the plate racing was in the early 2000s. Well, guess what? They were going about 180 miles an hour back then. So mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily correlate to how good the racing can be um, at a super speedway. And funny enough, they, sh they were showing the replay of the 2001 Pepsi 400 Friday night when the Xfinity Series race got postponed. And, uh, you know, they were running, you know, at best like 185 back there. So, again, it's not really about the speed. It's about how competitive um, the package can be and how well the field can run together. And that was one thing that um, I heard Ryan Blaney mention this in the post-race show on NBCSN was that, and it was pretty noticeable, when you push somebody, you couldn't really get away from the pack. And that's something that we've seen these past couple of years with the 550 package is if you lock bumpers and do that quick tandem, you're going to drive away from the pack. You're not going to be able to sustain that. Obviously, you're going to come back to them. But Saturday night, I mean, yeah, you could still push a little bit, but you couldn't really get those several car length advantages. And that's what kept the field so tight. That's why we had so many lead changes. And for the most part, I felt like everybody was able to, I don't know, it just felt like everybody had good control of their cars. Because we saw several times Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, just kind of guys getting sideways and out of control in situations that would have led to bigger wrecks in years past. And I just felt like these guys were able to manhandle the cars a little bit better within the pack. I think that led to some really good racing. Yeah. And that was because that like in the Larson save that one time when they were coming off four, you know, it was one of those where you were like, he should have wrecked. Yeah. He 100% should have wrecked. But like you said, you know, the, the ability to just keep that car straight and, and, you know, keep it on the ground, obviously is great news, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved the racing. It was, it was action packed. You had guys up at the front that you usually don't see, um, even at the, even at these style of, of races say, I, I was very, very pleased with the way Saturday played out. And this is, just, it's so interesting to me because now we have, of course, the playoff race in a couple of weeks at Talladega, and then we're going to this completely new car. So it's like, okay, we've hit on this really good super speedway package. And now we're about to change literally everything. And the Daytona 500 could be a sink file train in February of next year for all we know. It's like, 
yeah. I really hope we're able to replicate something like this with a new car. But when you talk about how different this car is going to be, there's no guarantees. So, you know, I, I hope Talladega isn't the last good super speedway race for a while, but there's a real possibility it could take some time and some tweaking with the new car to kind of figure out what we really need as far as that super speedway package goes. Yeah, you just truly never know. I mean, with, with so much unknown for next year's car and the package and all that, you just don't know. So enjoy it while you can. So and we've talked about this for a while now. For what this playoff format is, with winning your in 16 drivers, having Daytona as the regular season finale makes the most sense because it's this wild card where anybody can get up there, put themselves in the mix, and possibly win and get themselves in the playoffs as a last-chance qualifier. And we had a really good race there last year. And I think it was one of the best races of the season last year. But I really think this year topped it. Because, yeah. for one, you already had 15 spots locked up because Hamlin and Harvick had already accrued enough points to where they weren't going to be pushed out. So you had this one position that was up for grabs. And you had two teammates battling for it, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. So they're fighting each other for points all night. Meanwhile, you have like 14 other guys whose sole mission on the night was to go up there and win this race to get themselves in the playoffs. And you saw guys like Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Bubba Wallace, Ryan Priest, these guys that we know are good at super speedways get up there and put themselves in the mix. Then you have these wild cards, guys like Corey LaJoy going up there leading laps late. Chris Bush or somebody that we don't really think of when we come to super speedways like all these different stories were materializing and it came right down to the very end of the race until we truly knew who the winner was going to be. And of course it ended up being Ryan Blaney. So it wasn't one of those uh, new winners, but even that the drama of Austin Dillon having this battery issue, Tyler Reddick getting caught up in a wreck. Like there was so much drama and intensity throughout the entire night. That's what makes these kind of things entertaining when you have all these stories coming together. Well, and then, you know, obviously the, it come down to for, for pointing themselves in, it was down to the two RCR guys. Mm -hmm. They both had issues. I mean, I still can't believe Reddick was able to, to drive that car to a finish, but yeah. that, that's, that's crazy. One of the things that I thought, I think it was Steve Latart said, um, coming to one to go, they were talking about, where's Reddick? I think it was Rick Allen was like, where's Reddick? Where's Dylan? Blah, blah, blah. And Steve Latart was like, look at the guy in second. You know, Corey LaJoy, had, had he have come away with the win, We'd be talking about, you know, playoff contender Corey LaJoy. So, um, yeah, just a lot of different, um, you know, it's really interesting to see, uh, or I'm interested to see going forward now, um, you know, how these playoffs shape out, obviously. Um, who's the contenders, pretenders? I know we'll get to that at the end, but, but man, that, that was fun Saturday night. No, it absolutely was. And, obviously, Austin Dillon didn't make the playoffs. He did make the playoffs last year. Um, but I think RCR as a whole should be really proud of themselves for the improvements that they've made this season. Obviously, they had the, the alliance with Hendrick and the engine department. I think that's helped out quite a bit. But, you know, I just feel like Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick make each other better. Tyler Reddick is an insanely talented race car driver. Austin Dillon's been around the Cup Series for over seven years at this point. So those guys can really build off of each other in both those ways. And I think we've really seen that come to a forefront this year with how well they've both been running. Now, obviously, they were right there at the playoff cut line, but both these guys were borderline top 10 in overall points. And I think that's just yeah. really a testament to how well RCR is performing, and hopefully they can continue this momentum as we go into the new car next year. Yeah, and that's the thing. Obviously, they're probably bummed they only got one car in the playoffs, but like you said, they're, they're, they're 
points wise, they're around that tenth mark, and, and that's it's a huge. I mean, think of where they were two years ago. I, I mean, just they leaps and bounds better, and obviously, you know, like we said with with the package, you got a new car coming next year, so obviously they'll want to continue to replicate that success. But um, that whole organization just seems to be on the up right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, and fun fact, uh, the eight car is now in the postseason for the first time since 2006 with Dale mm-hmm. Jr. on the Budweiser mm-hmm. eight car. So, yep. in fact, there. Um, kind of going back to all these interesting stories from Saturday night, one that it almost kind of breaks your heart because it keeps happening, but Matt Benedetto with only a handful of laps to go, there he is once again fighting for the lead at a super speedway race. Now he's taking on one of the best super, you know, one of the best at super speedways right now in, in Chase Elliott, and they're blocking high, they're blocking low, they end up running each other into the wall, and you know, yeah, De Benedetto can go out there and maybe win Talladega in a couple weeks, but I don't know. I feel like Saturday night really sealed his fate. Like if he couldn't, if he has not accomplished it by this point in time, for for one, I don't see any feasible way he's going to end up in the Cup Series anyway. But that Saturday night, I think, kind of did him in. Yeah, and that's what that's what sucks is like you know you would hope these next ten races with the Wood Brothers could be you know the best ten races of his career, but like I mean for him you're not what are you I mean what are you fighting for now? Yeah, you know I mean nothing I mean that and I don't know if like the t- I would hope the team wouldn't do that to him where they just yeah. stop putting in effort you know and started focusing more on next year, but look we know this is what happens. You know, I mean, they're not fighting for anything anymore, you know, okay. It was like when, um, you know, when Bubba, they interviewed him after the race, uh, they asked him, what is he fighting for in 17th? I mean, okay, congratulations. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and that, that that's – but he knows he's coming back next year. You know, they want to continue to take the next 10 races to build as a team for next year. And um, I don't know, it just kind of sucks for De Benedetto because I look at, you know, a couple weeks from now we go to Bristol. It wasn't very long ago that, you know, he almost beat Denny Hamlin. Yep. And, and you just – it just stinks because he's, he's, a good, he's a good race car driver that just – it hasn't worked for him for whatever reason. And, and it's just, you know, you'd only get so many opportunities in the Cup Series. And, and I'm with you. I don't, I don't know where you'd go in the Cup Series at this point. Um, but, I don't know, hopefully he can let, still stay in the Xfinity Series or even down to trucks. I mean, I don't know. But. Uh, the the biggest concern that I have for him is the fact that he doesn't have like a sponsor that's followed him. He doesn't have any real financial backing. And even for the truck series, that's still a couple million dollars for an entire season there. You know, guys like John Harnumanchek, they bring some sponsorship down there too. So, you know, it's, it's hard to go down there with empty pockets. And I know you have cup series experience, but you know, for a team to say, yeah, we'll, we'll foot the bill for you to run the entire season. That's not exactly easy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he'll land somewhere, yes, but where that is right now, shrug of the shoulders. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, to be determined. So, um, you mentioned Bubba Wallace getting interviewed after the race, and he had some pointed criticism for his uh, fellow Toyota brethren, and I think it was rightly justified because, and this was kind of a weird super speedway race, something we haven't seen in quite a while, where for most of the night, there wasn't really any manufacturer alliances. You didn't see Chevy's exclusively working with Chevy's Fords with Ford Toyotas with Toyotas. It was kind of a mixed bag. You just kind of worked with whoever was around you until we got to the last stage and we had green flag pit stops. And we see this at all super speedway races where the 
manufacturers break off Fords pit with Fords and so on and so forth. And the Fords had the plan to pit early, right on the edge of the fuel window where they knew they were going to be able to make the PN. They do that. They're out there logging laps, basically saying, okay, if a caution comes out, we're going to be in the best position because all these other teams are going to have to pit as a composed from the field. Rick Ware Racing decides to implode off of turn number four and wreck all their cars. That plays perfectly into the hands of the Fords. And suddenly they're at the front of the pack with only, you know, 17 laps to go. And when you have like eight Fords at the front of the field, the numbers were in their favor. And look, Ryan Blaney ends up winning the race. So, you know, Bubba Wallace was very right in what he was saying that the Fords did a much better job in working together. And that's what got him in victory lane. Yeah, I mean, because it was obviously they had, obviously Bubba was leading before that before the caution that was kind of in the middle of if you want to call green flag pit stops. Um, you know, Bubba was leading that train of Toyotas, and and his spotter told him to you know bring it down to the bottom. We're we're going to bring everybody. Next thing you know, Kyle Busch stays up top, and and they they dust him. You know, they leave him in the dust, and um, I don't know. That's the part of it. That's the part like. I understand team orders and stuff like that. We'll get the Xfinity series and talk about execution there. But, um, you know, I, I mean, it's just one of those where it's like, I understand it. Like I get you want to, you know, your manufacturer to go to victory lane, but like, I think it's overrated personally sure. uh, because it's like, you don't do that at Bristol. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, you don't, I mean, like, I guess my thing is like this upcoming weekend at Darlington, like you're not going to see like, Kevin Harvick happily push, you know, Cole Custer to, or it's a bad example, Ryan Blaney to a win. Sure. Yeah. It's just the nature of super speedway racing. And it's kind of evolved over the past couple of years, but I think back to the Daytona 500 and Denny Hamlin had the best car. Like he should have won his fourth Daytona 500. Toyota messes up on the pit strategy. And what does he do? He ends up finishing fifth, but he could have done a whole lot better than that because they didn't put themselves in a winning position. And don't look now. Ford has won all three super speedway races this year. Yeah. So they're clearly doing something right. And if I was the other two manufacturers, I'd probably be mimicking what they're doing. Well, and that's like, I don't remember what year it was. Maybe you can remember, but remember Chevrolet had that big meeting in like the middle of a race and was like, y'all better work together. You know, like the big, the big secret meeting that got spoiled or whatever. And it's like, like so, watch what doing so I, I mean i think that was the 2019 Dega playoff race where it rained after stage one of course they came mm -hmm. back monday and finished it but yeah to, like chevrolet called this meeting like guys we're not doing what we need to do we need to work together blah 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 by the way ryan blaney ended up winning that race and you know ford went back to victory lane anyway so even when i guess chevy's pushed in that direction ford's still out doing them yeah, I just think the Fords are 100% committed to it, whereas the Chevys and Toyotas are like 75%. They're like, I mean, yeah, you know, we'll try. But. Sure. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to how diverse the schedule is. We've talked about this a lot. Like, Chevy is doing great at the 550 tracks. Hendrick Motorsports is dominating left and right at those type of racetracks, and that's a good majority of the season. Toyotas are running really well at the 750 tracks. That's going to be really important in the playoffs. Ford is lagging behind it pretty much everywhere, so why not specialize in the super speedways? We already know they're good at those. Like, okay, here's four opportunities for, for us to go out there and win, so let's invest everything we can in it. Let's make the best plan possible. Let's invest all of our resources into it that maybe the other two manufacturers aren't doing. And, again, they're three for three so far. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they're very likely, I mean, they'll very likely go four for four this year. You know, they're just that good. Very good chance of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, if you're going to – if you want to get your wins, there's your opportunity to, mm-hmm. to go 100% into something that you don't think the other two manufacturers are necessarily doing. Right. And that being said, we still saw guys like Chase Elliott go up there and lead laps. And, you know, we saw the Toyotas out front, Hamlin was out front, Kyle Busch led some laps. But I don't know, just something about when the Fords come together, they're unbeatable. Yeah, they, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big task to, to beat them and split them up. So now we have our field of 16 drivers for the playoffs. And, and we, we talked about Ryan Blaney kind of being surprised as the number two seed. He's technically tied with Mark Drex Jr. They have the same amount of playoff points, but Ryan Blaney finished higher in regular season points, so he technically gets the nod there. And how's this for a 180? Kevin Harvick goes into last season's playoffs with the most playoff points ever as the number one seed, and he goes into this year's playoffs, the dead last seed, with two playoff points. Yeah, talk about a, talk about a change of seasons. I mean, I mean like – Last year at this point in time, we were talking about how is it not his championship? And, you know, now it's like, could he be in trouble in the first round? I mean, you, you never know. Could he get eliminated? Yeah. What, what a 180. And I don't know. Does it feel like Harvick's been more collectively frustrated this year? I feel like he's been a lot more outspoken and critical of things this year. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that's just a frustration of of not being where you were. You know, nothing really has changed from last year. I think that's what's got to be so frustrating. Everyone else around you, and even Tony Stewart, he was interviewed, um, may have been this past weekend, um, and basically he was like, yeah, "We're just not good right now. We're not fast. Anything right?" And just it was a, it was just a frustration, and and yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, well, for a guy like Kevin Harvick, you know, and look, he's obviously proven he can win at every single racetrack. So it's not a realm of possibility that he can go out there and reel off three top tens in this first round. But when you have that few playoff points, it's not about just running well. Like you need to be leading laps, winning stages, getting a lot of points because he can go out there and finish eighth in the next three races and still get eliminated because he's got so few yep. playoff points. Yep. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. So just kind of looking down the list, and we'll make our selections for who we think is going to advance and who we think um, won't. You know, Denny Hamlin ends up finishing second in the regular season points. He's got five um, stage wins, so he ends up 15 with 15 playoff points overall. But now he finds himself in the middle of the playoff pack. There are only so many points above the cut line. So, you know, he's gone from – I think his mindset has to change now where mm-hmm. – he, can, he has to be more mindful of points than going for the win, which I feel like he's kind of been doing both. But now you have to worry about that playoff cut line, which before it was just, okay, I'm going for the regular season points, which if you're going to beat Kyle Larson, that means you got to run up front and compete for wins, which he's been doing. He's been coming up short. But now he has to be mindful of that points line. Like, okay, I can't get myself into trouble here or else I'm going to be eliminated. Um, and, again, he's second in the regular season points, so there's no reason to think that he couldn't point his way all the way to Phoenix. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. but. Um, I don't know. He's got to be more mindful of that, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, we're just talking about Harvick, how different this year. Same thing for Denny. Yeah. I mean, last comfortable going into the playoffs, and now it's like if you don't perform well, you know, in every round, you're not going to advance. 
Yeah. So Kyle Larson wins the regular season championship, gets the 15 extra bonus points. And he said something um, after the race that I think should probably scare a lot of his competitors that he's really been points racing these past couple weeks. He's been mindful about the points and trying to make sure he held that lead over Denny Hamlin so he'd get his extra playoff points. So if he's not been going 100% trying to win races and he's now about to turn that on for the playoffs, that could spell disaster for everybody else. Yeah, watch out. Yeah, watch out. And we're going to racetracks that he's very, very good at in this first round, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on now to the Xfinity Series, who raced on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. And you talked about team orders. Well, not necessarily team orders. Team execution. And it is scary how good Colleg Racing has gotten at Super Speedways. Because coming to the white flag, they're running one, two, three. Coming to the checkered flag, they are three wide coming across the line. And Justin Haley, once again, wins a super speedway race. This kid is unreal at super speedways. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, obviously it was the help of teammates that got in there. But um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was running third of those three, right, on the back stretch? He was running third going into turn three. I, so I, I watched it the first time. And, you know, when you're watching it live, you're not really kind of thinking about going from point A to point B. So you see him win the race, and then I went back and watched it again. And I was like, how did he get from here to the lead on the high side in less than half a lap? It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was an impressive drive, obviously, to, to sneak it there at the end. But, um, yeah, colleague works so – I mean, I texted you as soon as the race was over. Like, there's nobody in, in any level of the sport that runs as well as they do. Mm-hmm. You know, to stay together, they, they're loyal to one another. Um, it, it's impressive. This now brings us to five total drivers with wins in the Xfinity Series as far as playoff drivers go, guys that are obviously going to be raced for the championship. So, you know, it adds one more name to the mix, but this has still just been such a weird season in Xfinity. The 54 car has won 10 races this year between uh, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, and, of course, Ty Gibbs. And Christopher Bell was in contention to win once again on Sunday. Um, you know, not to mention – other drivers that have uh, eked out wins like Josh Berry and stuff that obviously are racing for the championship. But I don't know. I still, you know, I, I guess at this point it's going to come down to probably Austin Sendrick and AJ Allmendinger, but there's still just so many unknowns. There's just not really anybody outside of those two that I feel like are serious championship contenders right now. No, there's, there's times when you want to throw Justin Allgaier in there. And I, I think it's obviously he's got good equipment. He's, He's a veteran of the series, but it, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, yeah. it feels like it's Dendrick, take a huge step down. Almondinger, another step down. And then guys like Allgaier, Justin Haley, guys like that, you know. Um, but it, it, I, still think that, I still think that it's the most wide-open championship of the three, in my opinion, anyways. Sure. Going back to, to Justin Haley and Cod Racing a little bit, I texted you this on Saturday. College racing reminds me a lot of how DEI was in the early 2000s when you showed up at super speedways and plate tracks. Like you just knew they were going to run up front and one of their cars is probably going to win the race. And that's really what colleague has become in the Xfinity series. And for Justin Haley, of course, he's going to go into the Cup Series as a rookie. And it's not easy for rookies at all in, in the Cup Series, no matter what. But Colleg Racing, they're going to have this alliance with Hendrick Motorsports. They're going to get a good engine. Haley's already a good super speedway racer. 
it's not unrealistic to think that he got there and win a super speedway race. He's already done it once, albeit it was rain shortened. But like, this could be one of these guys in his rookie year that could maybe get a win in the Cup Series. Yeah, he'll have he'll have three opportunities pretty much to get into the playoffs. You know, uh, at the Daytona 500, the Talladega Spring Race, and then the the regular season finale at Daytona. And and who's to think that he he won't be able to? So I think it's just another one. And we've talked about it before, but like I just love the way Colleague has developed their entire program. And it's just like seeing them be rewarded with with win big wins um, is just really cool. Well, think about it like this: out of all the top three series, what team shows you how well they work together better than Colleague? I mean, there's not one. None. I mean, there's just a chemistry, and maybe it's just the specific drivers of Jeb Burton, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Haley, but it just seems like the whole team chemistry is, hey, we're in this together, we're going to help each other out, and that's going to make us all more successful. And now, look, all three of their drivers have won and are in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing it to it. So, and it'll be interesting. And I'm still – so they have this second full-time car next year that's going to be run between multiple different drivers it'd be crazy for them not to put AJ Allmendinger in that thing full time next year with how many road courses we run now and just how much he's established himself in the Xfinity series. I'd really love to see him come back to cup full time. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, if he does, you know, I, I wonder if they're waiting to see how he does in the Xfinity series playoffs. You know, if he makes it, if he wins a championship, then you're like, let's elevate him just so you can say you've got a champion. I don't know if that's their mentality. Sure. Um, you know, obviously there's still huge unknowns for everyone next year um, with the new car, but I'll be interested to see if if he is that guy, if they do. Because, I mean, they haven't announced anybody else that's going to drive in that car, right? So I think – and I don't think they've specifically announced, but I think the thinking is that Kaz Grala would probably do the super speedways. Almendinger would do the – you know, road courses and may, may run some other one-offs and stuff like that. But that still leaves so many different types of tracks where you don't have a specific driver. And I don't know, maybe a guy like Benedetto goes down there and runs 10 or 11 races. Maybe they pick up Ryan Newman and he runs some races. I, I don't know what the plan would be, but especially because we haven't seen this in the charter era where we have a full-time chartered team not running for the overall championship. Like that's just that defeats the purpose of what the charter system was designed to do, where you're having 36 teams committing to running full-time. And I know, like Spire and stuff, they mix up drivers, but Colleague is coming in as a serious contender, like a team that is going to be vying for playoff spots. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's odd to think that they're going to do, try and have a mix of drivers in their, in their second car. Right. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, so the NASCAR news, I feel like this isn't even news because we've known this for a while now, but it was officially confirmed the other day. Kurt Busch is officially going to 2311 racing, driving the 45 Monster Energy Toyota Camry, Toyota Camry. Excuse me. This is yet another big team for, for uh, Kurt Busch. Multi-year deal, too, so he's not just going to go away after one season. Bubba Wallace has, has had a shaky season. He's had his moments, got another second-place finish at uh, Daytona on Saturday night. This is only going to help him and this team exponentially with their growth by bringing in a veteran, a former champion, and somebody that proves year in and year out they can still find their way to victory lane in Kurt Busch. Yeah. 
it, it's a you know it, like you said we've known well we haven't known but we've known since like april it feels like that this was just it was going to happen it was just a matter of of when not if um and it's a it's a it's a good move i think for all parties involved um you know it'll be interested to see how much longer he races for um and it'll be interested to see how he and bubba mesh together and again the new car how, how you know how do they elevate that program you know into the future so uh, good move for him. I think it was you that tweeted it that he's now drove for four different manufacturers in the Cup Series. So that's he's, pretty impressive. He's driven for all of the the only manufacturer that he would have been eligible to drive for in his time in the Cup Series would have been Pontiac. He never drove a Pontiac. They outed at they exited after two thousand three. So he's driven pretty much all the ones he could have possibly driven. And Denny Hamlin made a good point. He could become the first driver to win in all four of those manufacturers if he finds his way to victory lane for 2311 racing. Good point, yeah. Which, again, as we talk about, he finds a way to victory lane every single season. Mm-hmm. When so, you least ex- Well, and I just think overall, you know, and, and Kurt Busch has such an interesting story. And honestly, I think you could make a racing movie about his life once his career is said and done because it's just that good of a story. But, you know, he had, he had his falling out at Penske – all right, he goes down to Phoenix Racing. He makes that team better. Goes to Furniture Row Racing, makes that team better. A couple of years later, they win a championship. Goes to Stuart Haas Racing, which was still kind of in its infancy at that point in time. Makes that team even better. And just so on and so forth. He's got a Chip Ganassi, made that team better. So there's no reason to think he's not going to go to Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan's team and bring it up to another level. Maybe they could be as good as Joe Gibbs Racing on a week-in, week-out basis. Kurt Busch is really going to be the measuring stick to show how good this team can be. Yeah, I agree. So excited to see that. With this announcement, they had a hype promotional video that they put together, and we saw our first glimpse at numbers being slid forward on the cup cars, and oh boy, there was quite an uproar, because while we lobbied for the numbers to be slid forward as opposed to slid back, I don't think it was exactly what we saw there because the number was smaller and it was all the way up against the front tire. And that didn't sit well with a lot of people. Yeah. They might as well just put it on the hood at that point in time. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, it's one of those where it's like Denny came out and said, you know, it's going through the, the, the proposal process. That was just a rough sketch of what we're going with. Um, you know, I just, once we get the final product, that's when I'm going to wait to really start judging. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully NASCAR looks at the reaction to this and say, okay, this is what we don't want to do right here. Um, and I think the biggest thing is the, nu- the number needs to stay the size that it is. Numbers are big on the doors, and I think that's important for visibility purposes. One, when you're in the stands to be able to read it as the cars are going by, but just that identity of the number being tied to the driver. And I think it deserves you know, an adequate amount of space on the side of the car. And hopefully they can, you know, have it where it's still underneath the, um, the window of the, the driver's window, obviously, and, you know, give the space to the sponsors on the back end. But numbers need to have a prominent position on the side of the car. And if you're not going to have them yep. in the center, still have them somewhere under that window. Yep. So, but for the time being, we at least know hashtag move them forward one. Yeah, at least for now. I mean, until there's an uproar again and they decide to change. Yeah. Um, but not a pleasant thing to talk about here, but one of NASCAR's executives, is Jay Fabian, 
got in some trouble or has been in some trouble, in fact, is uh, in some legal trouble here with a animal cruelty case. And I won't go into the details of it. I read what was tweeted and what was written about it. It's not pretty. Um, so this is not funny, but the phrasing that, that has been used is he has stepped away from his position. Now, if this were a driver, he would be indefinitely suspended. So, and I, I get it, the elite, the leadership kind of takes care of itself to a degree. But, I mean, if this guy's convicted of this, he should never be allowed in NASCAR again. There's no excuse. No, no, no. And that's the thing is there's not much more to say than, no, there's no room in the sport for him. If, like you said, you can go read up on it if you want to. Um, we're not going to repeat it here. But, yeah, if you want, it, it's just – no, he has no room in the sport, and like you said, if it's if he were a driver, he'd be suspended and definitely not. Oh, he's taking a little vacation, you know. Just I don't know. I would say phrasing phrasing goes a long way there, and I just thought it was you know, I don't know, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, if this is a driver doing this, then yeah, I think they'd be ousted before the all the details even came to light. Obviously, yeah. So, but again, innocent until proven guilty. So we'll see what the court process is. But again, if it's what is being written about, then there's no reason this guy should ever be back in NASCAR again. No, no. One more thing really quick, and this was exciting to see. Jimmy Johnson uh, testing IndyCar on an oval for the first time today out of Texas Motor Speedway. And, you know, I've enjoyed watching Jimmy in IndyCar this year. It's been a cool story. It's, he's, he's learning. I'll say that much. And it's a learning curve. He wasn't a great road racer in NASCAR. So going to a series that's predominantly road courses, you knew it was going to be a learning curve. He's gotten better little by little. But, man, I think if he takes ovals on, you're going to see him be leaps and bounds better than he is on these road courses. Oh, yeah. I'm just excited. He, I, he's, been, he's been my driver since my grandpa introduced me to the sport. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those I well, was a little butthurt when he, when he left and was still going to race. And, and then I, I – we've talked about it a little bit here before, but I was always just of this sense. I was just, it always felt like it's kind of a joke that he was running, you know, because yeah. I'm like, well, why take a full-time seat if you're not going to do the full schedule? So I hope he does the full schedule next year, just so, you know, not, not, he has nothing else to prove. He has sure. absolutely nothing to prove. But, you know, you have seen the growth this year with him and, you know, something a little bit more natural. I know the cars are completely different. And he even said that today that, he was like, wow, it's just completely different, you know. But I'm excited to see what happens with him next year. Yeah. Well, and I read something else, too, uh, today that I think is kind of a testament to what IndyCar's done as far as driver safety goes. We remember back to 10 years ago, hard to believe it's been almost 10 years now, when Dan Weldon was killed at Las mm -hmm. Vegas in the uh, season finale in 2011. Like, Jimmy was asked, you know, what IndyCar needs to do about it. He's like, they need to take ovals completely off their schedule because they're too dangerous, particularly mile and a half. Um, so now the fact that 10 years later, he is testing on an oval, possibly getting ready to run ovals full-time next year. Like, that's a testament to the safety that they have with the, the aero screen and all the, all the stuff that's gone into it that this guy that 10 years ago said they should never run on ovals again is now willing to go out there and race on ovals. So good job for yeah. IndyCar for all the uh, – progress they've made yeah for real all right so now we'll get to the picks and did i pick justin haley this past weekend i think i did i picked justin haley you picked uh almondinger ah dang it okay so you've gained you've so gained I, some ground on me 
close the gap down to 19 to 12. I knew I picked a college car and hey, I was close. Yep. They were all three coming. Yeah. By, so. Yep. Um, all right. So for the playoffs, and I ran this by, uh, idea by you earlier, I, I think we should add some kind of playoff element to the way that we do picks. So, and this is just for the cup series. It get too complicated. We tried to rope all three series into this and all the trucks have already started their um, playoffs anyway. My idea is at the beginning of the rounds, so we're about to start the round of 16, that we pick the 12 drivers that are going to advance. Mm-hmm. And for everyone that get, we get right, we get a point. For everyone, you know, if we get 10 out of the 12, all right, 10 points, 11 out of 12, 11 points, so on and so forth. And then we go to the round of eight, do the same thing, round of four, all that stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, for points keep, I was thinking about this earlier, for points keeping, Let's just select the four drivers we think miss the playoffs. That's or what miss, I was going to suggest, too. Miss it. You get those right, you get a point. Yes, that lessens the complications a little bit. And yeah. When, yeah. We get to, when we get to the round of eight and we're picking for the final four, we'll pick who we think the final four are going to be because it's yeah. still picking yeah. four drivers either way. But, yes, that makes right. the most sense. So okay. I guess we should go ahead and make our race picks first. Then we'll loop back around and see who we think is going to get eliminated in the first four, in the first three races of the playoffs. So we have all three series in action, by the way, this weekend. So trucks and Xfinity going to do the double header. This is a replacement of the truck series race that was originally supposed to run in Canada, but of course crossing the borders isn't as easy as it once was still dealing with that. So trucks going down to Darlington for their second race of the season. Sheldon Creed wins the truck playoff opener he's already got himself in the second round he won there back in the spring when we raced there and the chaos that that race was so who picks up the win at darlington this weekend he's gonna be good but i'm actually gonna take his gms teammate in zane smith okay um i'm gonna just take zane and, and i think that they're the gms bunch is it, all together needs to you know take it to that next level and I, I love the little you know kind of mini rivalry that those two have amongst each other um, you know, trying to be obviously Sheldon's the number one in that lineup, but um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see this weekend with the trucks because um, they run at like twelve o'clock on Saturday, right? Yeah, it's like early afternoon. Yeah, so um, you'll have the sun out, which doesn't look to be that hot this weekend, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just I love the truck series. I mean, it's just so much fun, and I feel like there's a lot of talent in it right now. Um, so all that said, I'll go with Zane Smith. You mentioned talent, and I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. I think this guy gets his first career truck series when he made the playoffs, Carson Hosovar. He's somebody that's impressed me a lot this season, especially kind of in the second half run into the playoffs, which is how well he's been running, how consistently he's been running. This guy's really talented. He's a really good short track racer, which I feel like that technical skill of short track racing is going to be able to translate to a track like Darlington for him. Yeah. So I'll go with Carson Osamar. Go out on Lynn. Who knows? To the Xfinity Series racing on Saturday afternoon. Justin Allgaier got the win there back in the spring. They still got a couple more races to go to their playoffs. So still opportunities for guys to lock themselves in. Who picks this one up? Well, you know, the Darlington, which obviously they've, they've reconfigured the, the track a, a little bit, which is a big question mark for many people. But if there's one guy that loves to, to ride around the top and, and checkers or wreckers, I'm going to go with him this weekend, Noah Gregson. He's going to finally get that first win of the year. Um, 
and and he'll bring he'll bring on the trophy back to junior motorsports. We talk about desperation. I feel like he's really feeling it now because one, he's not locked into the playoffs, and two, I think it's a hundred percent guaranteed he's not going to be back in the nine car this year. So you know, is he going to be able to land a ride next season? I'm sure he can, but winning a race and getting into the playoffs certainly going to help his case out. Most definitely. I'll stick in the junior motorsports camp though. I'll go with this teammate to go for the clean sweep this season, Justin Allgaier, somebody that I feel like, you know, and he's gotten a couple wins this season, obviously, but we talked about, we, we haven't really thought of him as this championship contender. Winning a race at Darlington right before the playoffs would kind of put him back in that mix with Allgaier and Cindric as being, hey, I can win this championship too. Mm-hmm. We go to Sunday night, one of my favorite races of the year, the Southern 500, which by the way, it's back on NBC, big NBC. Good for NASCAR for doing that, because that's only going to make the ratings better. Yep. So, Sunday night, Martin Trix Jr. won there back in the spring. Kyle Larson maybe had the best car at the end. Maybe they could have battled for it. It's going to be completely different conditions, because you're going to be racing in a lot more heat. The sun's going to be going down. It's going to be slick, not to mention what they've done in turns one and two. So, who wins the Southern 500? Well, it's playoff time. We saw what this bunch did last year. I think I think the I think Chase Elliott and the number nineteen come out swinging in the playoffs, and I think, you know, look, you hear and rightfully so, you hear the hype with Kyle Larson. You know, can anybody take him down? Chase Elliott's not even the best at Hendrick Motorsports. I think they have a statement win Sunday night, and, and kind of remind everybody, yeah, we're not here to play. I picked this guy last week because he's really good at super speedways, and obviously he's been running really well this season. I can't think of a better racetrack for Denny Hamlin, though, than Darlington. He is so freaking good at Darlington. And again, it's not like he's been running 15th every single week. He's been running up there competing for wins, just hasn't quite sealed the deal. He's made the playoffs. As I mentioned, I think he has to keep points in mind. But this is a track that he's so good at, I think he's going to be up there running at the front anyway. So I feel like Denny Hamlin finally breaks through, and who knows, maybe he could go on a Tony Stewart 2011 run, win half yep. the playoff races, and win the championship. If he's going to do that, it's going to have to start in week one at Darlington. Yeah, you've got, you've got 10 weeks to, you know, uh, you know, we hear every year now with him, you know, is he ever going to win the championship? Is he ever going to win it? Here's another shot. You've got 10 weeks to make it happen. Absolutely. All right, now we get to the interesting part, where we have the round of 16, which this year is so interesting because it's solely 750 races. So all three of the races, 750 package, you have two short tracks and you have the intermediate between a intermediate track and a short track in Darlington. That being said, you know, it's so easy to think that, you know, Hendrick Motorsports is just going to dominate these next three races. This is where the Fords have actually been okay in recent months. Like I think about Eric Almarola, who has been disastrous this whole season, ran exceptionally well at Nashville, got the pole there. One at one at Loudon the last time we had a 750 oval race, so he could be in position to do something here. Kevin Harvick just really good at these technical type of racetracks. He won at both Darlington and Bristol to start the playoffs last year. So if he's ever going to win a race, these could be the races. So I just think that that there's so much unknown going into this that I think that complicates picking who's going to be out in this first round. But I'll let you go first with who the four drivers that won't make it to the round of 12 are. Okay, um, let's start off with Michael McDowell. It's, you know, win the Daytona 500 is great, but he's mm. done anything splashy since. Uh, so yep. he'll, be, he'll be out. I'm taking Al Marola out too. Okay. Um, a lack of consistency for that team. Um, 
Kurt Busch, I don't necessarily like their chances of advancing. Um, and then, you know, like you said a little bit earlier, Blaney didn't make it through last year. Okay, I've got to make it through the first round this year. Um, my kind of surprise pick, though, is going to be Alex Bowman. Okay. So those are, those are my four. You know, it's interesting about Alex Bowman, and they were talking about this, um, I think, in the race on Saturday night. You know, he's got the three wins, obviously, but he's outside the top ten at points. He's running significantly worse than all three of his teammates. And, again, when you get out of the playoffs, consistency matters, getting those stage points, getting those stage wins. And just Alex Bowman hasn't really shown us that this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that for me, like – he's really kind of been that fourth Hendrick car for a while now. Mm. Uh, so um, he's, he's my fourth guy. What about you? <laughs> I will agree with you with Michael McDowell. Great story that he won the Daytona 500, obviously, but these are three technical tracks where equipment's really going to matter. And I just don't see him making his way out of this round. Um, I agree with Eric Almirola as well. I know I said he's been running good at the past couple 750 oval races, but his lack of playoff points, I think it's going to hurt him here because, you know, running for him running like seventh or eighth, I don't think is going to be good enough because you're going to have guys ahead of him scoring the points and winning races and stuff like that. So unless he goes out there and wins, I don't see him advancing. Brad Kozlowski, relatively disappointing this season. He's run okay at some of the 750 tracks, but he still hasn't shown me a whole lot. And um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like I'm going back on what I just said a moment ago that Kevin Harvick, could possibly go out there and win one of these races in the first three rounds, but we haven't seen it this year. And even when he led some laps at Loudon a couple weeks ago, it wasn't like the dominant Kevin Harvick we've seen. He got there by pit strategy. It wasn't, hey, I've got the best car. I went up there and took the lead. So even like when he's led laps, it hasn't been that consistent. And again, going back to his lack of playoff points, he has two. He's the last seed right now. So just running in the top 10 isn't going to get the job done. He is going to have to be up there in the top three fighting for wins, fighting for stage points each and every week. Again, we just haven't seen it this season. Right. So yeah. that, that might be my stupidest take of the entire year, that Kevin Harvick's going to get bounced in the first round. But this has been an unorthodox year for that four team. So I think the trend continues. Well, I don't think he's that crazy because I had – he was my fifth guy. It was either mm-hmm. – for the, the prize pick was either like Bowman or him. Mm-hmm. So I think – Yes, I eliminated four Fords, so yeah. I'm cleaning out the Fords pretty early. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are off and running and uh, excited to get the playoffs started this week. And what a great weekend, not only with NASCAR Darlington, college football's back. You know, it's going to be a jam-packed weekend. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, good weekend of sports ahead. Absolutely. So we'll be back next weekend on uh, maybe Labor Day, I guess, to uh, break it all down and preview the second race of the playoffs and only nine races to go at that point. Mm-hmm. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening to that Speed Podcast. We will catch you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.